We've all heard the expression, swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, run 26.2 miles, and brag the rest of your life. What you don't hear is that your friends, your family, and especially your coworkers grow tired of hearing about your early morning swim, how you skipped lunch to get a spin class in, how you crushed your brick workout, or how you've become a math whiz at calculating your macros. My name is Mike Bosch. I have a wife, two sons, and a full-time job. Five years ago, I began my triathlon journey with modest intentions. I wanted to lose some weight and be able to claim that my best athletic days weren't behind me. After completing my first sprint triathlon, I was bit by the Ironman bug. Three years later and 50 pounds lighter, I completed Ironman Texas, and I couldn't have done it without an incredible support system. Everyone needs a support system, and that's what I'm offering you. I will talk to men and women just like you and me, the age group athlete that is juggling family, friends, work, and all that life has to offer on their journey to accomplishing an incredible goal. This podcast will offer recommendations on training, nutrition, some tips and tricks, and even strategies for race day. Whether you're training for your first race, looking to set a personal best, or have completed a full distance race on every continent, we all want to cross the finish line and hear those words, you are an Ironman. Wherever you are on your journey, this podcast is for you. So if you're ready... Let's talk to this episode's Everyday Iron Man. Welcome to the very first episode of the Everyday Iron Man podcast. I am very excited to be speaking to this week's guest as he and I became an Iron Man on the same day three years ago at Iron Man Texas. Joining me all the way from Georgia is my buddy, John Luter. John Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. And I am absolutely honored to be your first guest. Now, I'm honored to have you. Thank you, man. When you first told me that uh, you were going to do this podcast about Everyday Iron Man, I, so many ideas came into my head. And like, what what's this about? What is this podcast about? Well, I think that's a great question. Uh, and I appreciate you asking it. You know, this podcast is really designed to uh, really talk about the sport. There's so many people out there like you and I that are not professional athletes, but we're managing all the things. And I love talking about the sport. I love meeting uh, people that I wouldn't necessarily meet otherwise. And then really, ultimately, at the end of the day, I can remember what it was like when I started. And I'm very, very hopeful that this podcast will either ease the process for the newbie or possibly maybe encourage anyone out there that's struggling uh, to stay focused. But really, John, I think the listeners would be most excited to hear about you. <laughs> I don't know about that. but let's Yeah, no, they are. That's why they're tuning in. They're tuning in, trust me. So if you wouldn't mind, can you give us a little bit of background of just simple things, where you live, um, what you do for a living and, you know, family, are you married? Do you have kids? Like what just level set for us, uh, as an everyday Ironman, what is your life like? 
Yep, I am the everyday Ironman balancing uh, work, family, training, all of that that everybody has to go through. Uh, my wife and I have five kids. Our oldest just finished her first year of college. Our next oldest is going to college, University of Georgia, in the fall. I am an attorney. I've been practicing for 26 years now uh, outside of Atlanta. The firm has, um, you have about 80 something attorneys now. It's, it's busy. I'm swamped <laughs> oftentimes. And, the, uh, and it's, it's awesome to be on your show. Yeah, I would imagine that being uh, being an attorney, and then also having five kids, um, you, you definitely are uh, juggling a lot of a lot of things, right? So it's probably yeah. a real balancing act there. And I'm excited to to learn a little bit more about how you're doing that. But before we get into your Ironman journey, can you tell me uh, a couple of things that you've accomplished uh, in your life outside of Ironman that you're really proud of so the listeners can really get a sense of who you are? Yeah. So I, I mentioned I'm an attorney. I've been doing this for 26 years. I started a firm about 15 years ago. Uh, I had just over about t- uh, 10 years of practice, and it was just me initially. But the firm has now grown to, I think we have about 82, 83 attorneys now. We're in three states. So that has been a pretty big accomplishment in my professional life. So as you can imagine, running a firm, being the managing partner, I don't have a lot of time for training. And we can talk about training in a little bit. I think you asked uh, a couple things I'm proud of. The um, the other thing is I, I wrote a novel. Um, Get out of here. It's called... No, nah, it really did. The um, it's called Defusky Island. It was it's based on Defusky Island, which is right next to to Hilton Head, um, little island. There's no bridge. And it's a, it's a fun beach novel. I wrote it years ago when our kids were younger. We had a house there. The, the, the kids were all characters in 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 the story. So it, it was kind of fun. So really, so just to put it into context, so. Uh, Hilton Head is, I know in one of the Carolinas, I'm going to admit that I don't know which one. I think it's South Carolina. Yeah, it is, is that correct? Yeah. Hilton Head is South, South Carolina. And then, so you're, you said that all, so your kids were actually characters or, or there were, there were characters in the novel that were based on your kids. Is that what you said? Yeah. That yeah, is I asked, awesome. Yeah. It was a, um, it has magic and history. Like if you go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon and either type Defusky Island or my name, it's there. And there's, it, it's not a bestseller. I'll tell you that, but it is a very fun, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun beach novel and I get mailbox money about $4 per quarter. Really? Like I get about 25 cents per book. Right about that there. That is so yeah. exciting. So my wife is actually going on a girl's trip. They're going to Orange Beach in Gulf Shores, I'm going to recommend that. Uh, I'm going to recommend her that book. I, th- I hope they enjoy it. It, it was yeah. fun to write, and the um, it, it is definitely one of those accomplishments in life um, that I want to knock out. Oh, that's definitely something. Uh, that is definitely something to be uh, proud of for sure. That is awesome. Um, so, so let's transition a little bit into um, your Ironman journey, right? Let's talk about that. So, how did you become um, what we're calling? The everyday Iron Man. The um, is kind of a, a, a progression of small little events that led to it. Years ago, when my wife and I were dating before we got married, and we got married in '97, 
we just, I, I had done a marathon and then we decided to do a marathon. She had always wanted to do one. So I was like, okay, let's do a marathon. And that was a couple weeks before we got, before we got married. Then about 20 years passed, right? <laughs> I really didn't do much of anything. Stayed in shape, but not really too much of anything. I, I don't think I had run more than maybe five miles in the last, you know, in 20 years before that or, or after that. So in nine, I'm sorry, 2016. So it's been a couple years ago. Um, someone asked if we were be, if we'd be interested in doing a Tough Mudder. And I initially was like, there's no way I'm not in shape. Um, I was talked into doing it and it was awesome. So a Tough Mudder is an obstacle course about two to three miles in mud. That's why they call it. There's where the mudder comes from. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And they're fun obstacles. It's really fun. So then after that, a friend of mine asked, are you going to do a Spartan race? And I'd never heard of a Spartan race. So for those of uh, you know anybody listening who doesn't know what a Spartan race is, um, two things. One, it's your transition to Iron Man. Yeah. And then the next thing is the... Um, it turns out it, it's the best marketing ploy by Reebok. So there's three Spartan races. There's a sprint, a super, and a beast. The sprint is roughly three miles. The, the super is roughly six to eight. And the beast was basically a half marathon. And they have really tough obstacles, like CrossFit type obstacles. We've got to carry a boulder and all this stuff. So... Each time that you finish one of these races, not only do you get a medal for the race, you also get a one-third medal for a trifecta. And if you do all three races in one year, they all fit together for this big trifecta medal thing. And I, I've shown you that before, which is kind of cool. So yeah. when I heard about that, I'm like, duh, am I, you know, I going to do that? Yes. So then it was, okay, I'm doing basically a half marathon um, with moving boulders and stuff, I should probably do a real marathon. So then a buddy of mine uh, and I ended up doing a Savannah, the Savannah rock and roll marathon. And right around that time, I was going to be turning 50. And I thought I need to do something big for age 50. Um, Iron Man. So it had been something that I knew existed, but the idea of me actually doing one was yeah, that was completely foreign. Like, there's no way I can do this until you decide you can do it. <laughs> and then, and then you can. Right. So that was the background. So that's interesting. So you didn't, you didn't start out necessarily early on with the goal of being an Ironman. You started out with, I mean, I don't, I want to be respectful and not say small manageable steps because. Oh, they were small manageable steps. Let's <laughs> not sure about that. They were small. But they're still respectable. I mean, the Spartan and the Tough Mudder, and those are all accomplishments in their own right, right? But you you kind of worked your way through that process, and then over a course of a couple of years, realized, hey, I'm 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 getting to a, a milestone in life. I want to do something big. That's a that is so cool. That is so cool. So so you you and I we I talked about it in the beginning. We became Ironman on um, the same day in, in 2018. But you didn't stop your Ironman journey there, right? You went on uh, to compete uh, in a couple after that, right? Yeah, I am a a three time. Um, everyday, everyday Ironman. I've, I've, I've completed three full and 
when I was finishing Texas, I'm sure you were ahead of me because <laughs> I am not fast, but when I was finishing Texas, do you remember that basically at every intersection just about, there's a police officer stopping traffic? And I remember on the bike towards the end, this must have been about like mile 90, 98, you know, just in kind of in pain. It's the end of the day. And I remember just going really slow and there was a cop right there and just kind of caught eye contact. And I said, I am never doing this again. <laughs> I, laughed and said, you know, I don't blame you. And then the next day I woke up just thinking that was so awesome. Um, I signed up for another one. <laughs> and then a few months later, I signed up for another one. The, uh, this last year, 2020, I was supposed to do two of them, but because of COVID, those didn't happen. So those are happening this year. Uh, so I've got two this year also. Wow. Well, I definitely, I, I definitely remember Texas and I know that Texas has had people around both sides of the fence on the Texas venue and all that stuff. But I have to say from my personal experience, I thought the the community was fantastic. I thought the the local uh, first responders, uh, law enforcement, they did a phenomenal job um, with the the course and the markings and all that stuff. I had an incredible experience that day. I chose not to continue. Right, I took some time off. I've since. Uh, started back up again, but uh, hearing the fact that you woke up the next day thinking, I want to keep doing this is just unbelievable. Cause I remember the next day that I was, I was sunburned really bad on the top of oh, my yeah. legs yeah. Uh, yeah. from the bike. I had to go, this is not, not, I made up story. I had to go to the, uh, the doctor and they prescribed me a medicated cream. I had, it, I think it was the, whatever the, I didn't finish doctor school. It, you know, there's like first degree, second degree, third degree. It was whatever it was the least impactful of, of the, of the three burns, but it was enough to where they had to prescribe me a, a medicated cream for it. And you could see the stitching in the seam of my shorts, uh, from the burn. It was so, it was so bad. But so I, I did definitely did not think I'm going to go sign up for another one. Um, like you did. So that is awesome. That is awesome. I, I had that on my back because when you're in the aero position um, and, and the bike, I, I put tons of sunscreen on my arms and my neck. It never occurred to me that my, my tri top, I don't want to say mesh, but it was kind of like a mesh towards the top that I had just sunburn right through there. Um, it was, it, it was painful. But unlike you, I decided to do another one, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that's that's a good opportunity for us to pause there for a second and say, when you, especially if you've never done this before, or you're going into your very first Ironman, you, you're there's a lot of um, encouragement to go from from you know transition to event to transition to event. Do not skip the sunburn. Uh, there'll be volunteers putting sunburn uh, or uh, sunscreen on stop, yeah. take advantage of the, 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 the nice workers that are, that are helping with the sun, the, the sunscreen, you will be thankful later. Yeah. It's like almost like painting when you were, like, oh, yeah. you were a kid, hand painting. Oh my gosh. They lathered you up. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, the two minutes that you spend there getting fully lathered up, you will be thankful, uh, for the next day for sure. For sure. So, so John, let's talk, let's talk about training. So you've, you've, you've completed three, um, Ironman, right? And you, you last year you had some races planned. They got postponed, like everybody else did. Are you training differently uh, for your next 
for your next event di- uh, differently than you did your other ones? Or what is, what is your approach uh, going into this year? Yeah, training is completely different from the first to the second to the third. And um, I did a fourth, but I DNF. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, maybe I should have trained more. <laughs> but no, the, uh, it, was a, uh, it was crazy heat index. We'll talk about that. But my take on it is much different. So when I, when I did the first one, I wanted to complete it very, very much. I, I bought a training plan through um, Training Peaks, and I followed, I didn't follow all of it, but I followed a good amount of it, a good healthy amount, and was very prepared for Texas. Um, after that, I did Arizona after that. It was November. So Texas was April. Arizona was November. I did about half of the training for, for, um, Arizona, because the reality is, is I'm just swamped. I mean, there's people that get up at 4am and I had some of those mornings with the first one. And I know you and I've talked about that. You, you get up at four. Yeah. Um, I don't have time for that. You know, we've got the kids. I've, I've, I've got a very full practice. I, I manage, I manage the firm and I have clients. Um, so my training time is not what it used to be. And what I do now is I train mostly for the bike, um, for what, what I've learned for me. And, and this is different for everybody and everybody has different goals. I don't call these races. I call these events. I am there. there you go. I'm not racing anybody. I want to complete this thing. And I know it's going to be a long, hard day. And for me, that's the joy. Um, it, it, yeah, there's those times you're going into it going, Oh my gosh, there's, there's this part that's, that's actually going to suck. And, and it does usually it's on the, on the bike. It's like mile 80 where you're just going, Oh my gosh, I still have more to go. Um, but yeah, that's also the joy when you're going through it. So anyway, with my training now is what I'll do is I only ride my bike one day per week and I do a long ride. Um, I did 36 miles the other day. And my next ride is going to be 46 and then I'm doing 56. And so I will keep adding 10 to the long ride. And my, for, and this works for me is don't skimp on the bike. I run twice per week. I do one short three mile run in the neighborhood and then I'm building up for the long run. So I had just done a 12 miles. My last run was 10 and then my next one's going to be 13. Then I don't do a lot on the swim to me. Um, and, and again, this works for me, everybody, everybody's gonna be different. Um, what I find is when I've worked up my endurance, my cardiovascular to do the bike and to do the run, the swim comes along for the ride. I I can, I'm a slow, it's slow and steady on everything that I do. It's, it's slow and steady. I know some people are going to listen to this going, you know, you got to push, you got to push. It's like, great. If you have that time, but you know, my goal is to keep doing about two per year and there's, I don't know if you've run into this, other people that I've spoken with who, you know, the one and done, their spouse will say, you know, you're not doing another one. You know, I've have sacrificed for you to be able to, I've lost every Saturday, every Sunday. And when I did my first one, I, I made a deal with my wife that I'm not going to train on the weekends. The weekends are for family time. So, okay. So when am I going to train? Luckily, I'm in a position where I can take off a good part of a day um, during the week. Basically, I look and see 
what day has the best weather for me to do that long ride? And then I do my long ride that day. And knowing that I'm going to do that, I make up for that on other days at work because, you know, the work doesn't take a day off. I, there's right. the clients don't take a day off. There's stuff, there's right. still stuff I have to do. Um, I just have to balance my time. That sounds like such a healthy approach, John, as I'm listening to you tell the story. And I think the, the, you know, the, the, the best part about it is, and you said it is every, everybody's different, right? Everybody has a different goal. Everybody has a different situation, but you're so right. Um, I've heard, uh, I've heard some stories you actually turned me on to, uh, Facebook groups as a support system. Uh, when I first met you, um, before the race and I've kept up with that. And there's so many people that I see posting about stressed out because they missed a workout here or there. Right. And I think it, that's not healthy and it can't be good. It's, it's definitely, uh, very taxing on your relationship. And so the fact that you found the balance that works for your situation, your work situation, your family situation, and is still uh, able to get you ready for your goal, which is to enjoy the experience, the event, as you called it, I think is such, is such a healthy approach to that. Thanks, man. The um, Now, the first one, was was different. I mean, I had sure. that, that that stress. Um, and what I would strongly, strongly recommend to people is make sure you've completed each one of the disciplines separately. Um, so, so like the bike, a few weeks before we did Texas, I completed a 112 mile bike ride because I wanted to know that I could do it. Um, I swam the 2.4 miles. It was slow, but I did it. Um, And the same thing with the run. Now I had done, for me, I had done the Savannah Marathon in November before you and I did Texas the following April. So I didn't, I I knew I could do a marathon. What is, one thing that's really shocking to me when I was doing, when, when we were at Texas, I was really surprised at the number of age groupers who walk on the marathon. Once you, once it gets dark, it's, it's like, People are just, their goal is to finish this thing. And they, you'll have people that will walk maybe a hundred yards. Maybe you'll have people that will walk a mile. I was really surprised. I thought everybody was going to run this. And my approach now, and I, I'll tell you the the headlamp story, (laughs) the, uh, which we've, we've spoken before in the past, but the, um, you know, my, my intent on the first one was to run the whole thing. Uh, now my goal has, has has changed a little bit. When I'm actually doing the run portion, I will I'll run the first mile until I get pretty much within 50 to 100 yards of the aid station. Now, there's an aid station roughly every mile. At that point, I'll walk to the aid station, get my heart rate down, because to me, I, I'm, I'm very big on heart rate. Um, I, I've One thing in training on these you get to know your body. I always say, listen to your body, not your coach. Yeah. So I'll walk to the aid station, get whatever it is that they have. And then whatever distance I walked it to it, I'll walk the same distance away. So, so roughly every mile I'm walking a hundred yards, a hundred to 200 yards. If that, okay. Repeat that 25 times. And you hear those words, you are an Ironman. And to me, that was awesome. You know, during the training, um, 
you know, I, I asked you also, what, what kept you motivated? For me, there was two things. I, I wanted to get the dot tattoo. So yeah. on those long runs when, you know, you got the lactic acid building up and it's, a, I'm in Georgia, you know, it's, it's 95 degrees with 90% humidity at four in the afternoon and you're just dying and the lactic acid's building up in your legs. I would just think I want to get that dot tattoo. And the other thing was just hearing those words, you are an Iron Man. And that was that motivation. And then when it actually happened, you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And that's part of the reason for wanting to continue it. it, it I just thoroughly enjoy um, the the conclusion of, <laughs> of the race. Yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, because everybody does have a different motivation. Um, I, I think the thing that motivated me the most is I had told everybody um, that I was going to yeah. do it. And, and so I did it on purpose, right? I, I, I told everybody that would listen to me because I felt like I was accountable to that. And that's what kept me moving forward because I didn't want to have to come back and say, I didn't do it. Very, very similar to you. I, um, I knew I had to prove to myself that I could do the disciplines. Now I was not in a position where I could swim the 2.4 miles in open water. I, so I did it at LA fitness. It was like, you oh, know, sure. I did it at lifetime, yep. a ton of laps, but I did get a one mile, um, open water swim. I'm very, I was very fortunate. My boss lives on the lake here in North Texas and he, he took me out and we, I swam the, the lake. And then I, I was able to coordinate and I did a hundred uh, plus mile bike ride in a, with a group. And then I signed up and ran the Dallas marathon. So just like you, I had to prove to myself that I was capable of doing those things. So I think that's, it's so funny that you had a very similar approach that you had to, to mentally approve yourself. Um, on the, on the run, I don't think I had, um, as, as systematic of a, of a, a process. I would, I would I learned very early on that I was not good at catching fluid on the run and trying to drink (laughs) like some people can, you make that mess. So I would run to the aid station. I would walk through the aid station and then I would pick back up. But I got to be honest, I was was one of those guys that I was gassed at the end, right? I I was doing a lot of walking. I, I remember finishing the bike thinking to myself, I've got to run a full marathon now. Like that, you know, just, it just occurred to me at that point, but, but you alluded a second ago to the headlamp story. And I, and I, and I know that you and I have talked about the headlamp story before, but I would like you to share it with the listeners because I think there's so much wisdom in that experience. So if you wouldn't mind talking us through the quote unquote headlamp story. The, um, I'm going to, but I got two quick We'll keep the headline, the headlamp story in suspense for just a second. But okay. my my very first open water swim was Texas. And Are you serious? I was, yeah, I was in. I was about maybe about two hundred yards, looking at the shore, just going, "Oh my god, what am I doing here?" I wanted to quit at that moment. I just wanted to be done. But then it's just you know, just put your head down. You know, it's like oh. And, one, two, three, breathe. <laughs> and then it was, I, I, I'm an every other breather and um, change my strokes and, you know, you just get through it. Um, and the other thing is, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was when you, uh, coming in from transition, when you said, you know, I still have to do a marathon. One of my absolute favorite things in the world now is coming into T2, getting off your bike and they take your bike. I don't know, like, yeah. I, I don't know if all the, the people know that yet, but 
at an Ironman, you don't rack your bike. They take it and it's awesome. And then at that point, you no longer have to worry about any mechanical failures because that's always the concern when you're on the bike. And I, and I had a major one um, at Santa Rosa Ironman, I can mention, but the, um, once you're off the bike, you, you put your shoes on. And at that point, it's just, these are my shoes. I know how to run. And I have like seven hours or eight hours to finish this thing. Yep. And even if I have to walk some of it, I'm going to finish this. And then you just, you, you just go. Um, so with the, with the, the, the headlamp story, the, um, Oh, also one other thing, sorry about that is the, um, at Texas and this leads into the headlamp story. I didn't intend to, to walk like the hundred yards, the 50 yards. Mm-hmm. I developed that at Santa Rosa. That was my third Ironman when I started. Oh, doing okay. Okay. Because. Okay. So that's it, something you learned. Yeah. That's something, that's something that just the, the progression of getting my heart rate down. Um, so at Texas, I did exactly what you did. I went to each aid station, you know, basically run to each one. And then when you get there, that's when you stop and, and you, you, you walk through, you get your drink yep. or, or food, whatever it is. Um, so the, the headlamp. So on Facebook and I, I had, you know, before Facebook got political, which I, I wish it hadn't because there's just so much good stuff on Facebook. But I started, you know, following again, you know, Chattanooga and um, uh, uh, Wisconsin. Those are the two that I'm doing this year. So I'm back on Facebook following, you know, the, uh, the, 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 different, the different events. But back in um, when we were doing Texas leading up to it, there was discussion about whether you should use a headlamp. And some mm-hmm. people said it's, there's plenty of light and they have lights and they have generators with lights. You don't need a headlamp. And other people were saying you need a headlamp. It gets dark. So prior to the actual event, and I'm always going to call it the event. <laughs> so mm-hmm. prior to, prior to the Ironman event, um, you, there was the ask the experts. So there's like six experts and this was, if you'll remember, there you, you you go into Athletes Village, you do registration. There's the mandatory briefing, and mm-hmm. then there's a um, there's there's ask the experts, and that's geared at first time um, Ironman. So, I said, um, okay, I've seen on Facebook there, there's a conversation about whether or not a headlamp's needed. What do you guys think? And all of them unanimously said. You do not need a headlamp. There is plenty enough lights. There's generators, there's lights. So fast forward to the actual run portion. It's dark. It's, yeah, I I finished in under 16 hours. You get 17. So um, it's dark and I'm on the opposite side of the lake, the far side of the lake at Texas. It's pitch black. (laughs) They have... They have generators that are, you know, they have lights with generators, but those lights light up maybe a hundred yards, you know, 70 yards, and they're not right next to each other. There are gaps that are dark, dark, dark. And I stumbled on a route, I fell, and I'm just thinking, I asked the experts, they're all done. Yeah. It, it wasn't dark when they, you know, they, they were through here hours ago. They they've already had dinner. They're showered. You know, they're, they're having a drink somewhere. They have no clue how dark it is out here when it gets dark. 
because they've never done this. Um, so after, you know, stumbling, um, I ended up walking and then my, my legs tightened up and I ended up walking a lot more of Texas. And I, I know I would have been probably a half hour, 40 minutes quicker had I had my headlamp. So what I strongly recommend now is, is bring a headlamp. What I do is I tie it around my bib belt and just tie it really tightly around the bib belt off to my side. It's there when I need it. Um, other people put it into um, their special needs bag that there's a special needs bag on the run. There's also one on, their, uh, one on the bike. Um, bring a headlamp. If you need it, you've got it. If you don't need it, you don't need to, you know, you don't need it. Also, another quick little tip is if you do have a headlamp, take it off when you finish because the, the, the finished picture, <laughs> you don't want the headlamp. Not even, not only turn the light off, just take it off your head. You can hold it in your hand or, you know, just throw it off to somebody on the side. Um, but don't run through and get your finisher picture with a headlamp because you look like an idiot. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, John. That's that that's the point of this podcast, right? This is this is giving advice to the everyday person. Now, there's going to be plenty of people out there that are are going to they're 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 shooting for the Kona spot. They're you know leading the pack. They're first and second. They're gonna they're gonna be finishing in the eight hour time period, right? But I think there's a bigger group of us right that are going to be finishing the run at the at the you know the 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 late night hours it's dark um so i think your 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 advice and your point is spot on one of the things that i remember and again i want to i want to say i thoroughly enjoyed my experience in texas right so this is the, i just want to level set with that i remember going into texas there was a lot of talk about wetsuits Right. So everybody, and it seems like that's probably the same. Is it going to be wetsuit legal? Blah, 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 blah. Right. So I go to the, um, the, uh, news, uh, athlete briefing, just as you, we might even, what's really cool is we might've actually been at the same one, right? I don't know. Um, and so everybody was, you know, talking about wetsuit, wetsuit. So finally somebody asks a question. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, been in a group where somebody asked a question and you're like, Oh, how, I wish I had thought to ask that question, right, yeah. right? This question was not a question I wish had gotten asked, right? So everybody's talking about, blah, blah, blah. Somebody raises their hand. They're like, back here. He goes, how's the water quality? And I was they, there. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. And so he's, and they, they're like, not good. And they said, in fact, if you don't feel like you need to practice, don't just skip yep. the practice swim. That's where and, you and I met. We met over the bridge. Over yeah, the, um, and so <laughs> the next day, yeah, we met at the bridge, and so I did. I had I I felt like I needed the practice, and so I got all suited up, and and you did. I think you, they let you swim maybe a quarter to a half mile. I don't remember. It was just down the straightaway and turn, but I really needed that. Um, just to get myself acclimated, I had a lot of nerves uh, going in, and then. I think it was after my swim, I came back over and I was on the bridge just kind of looking over the lake. And that's when you and I met for the very first time, um, and which was super cool. I think I said, look at all those idiots swimming in that water. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. No, I did, I did not do the practice swim. The water quality was was not that good. And I did, the other thing is I didn't want to get my wetsuit wet because it wasn't going to dry and I didn't want it to stink. That is <laughs> it, it sucks putting on a wet wetsuit. Oh my gosh, that is funny. But yeah, but so for the listeners that aren't familiar with the Texas course, the run is three loops. 
and it starts in a a, a very populated kind of a, uh, a an entertainment area where there's a lot of restaurants and bars and stuff like that. And then it goes mm-hmm. around the lake that you actually uh, swim in, and it's it's a resident you know there's residential areas, but the area. Um, that you referenced that's super, super dark, it's wooded and it's yeah. really dark back there. Yeah, Texas, uh, it's in the woodlands. The, the, the actual town is the woodlands and I guess they don't call it the woodlands for nothing because it's, there's a lot of woodlands um, on that run and, and there's a lot of it that's actually on like a dirt path where there yeah. are, uh, there's, there's stumps, um, not stumps, uh, roots. roots. And some of it goes across a sidewalk and, you know, sidewalks buckle. Um, do you remember there was an area, I called it the Enchanted Forest. It was so cool where it was, it was pretty long and it, it, it was, this was late at night. Um, they, they, you know, those glow sticks, they, they use yeah. a Halloween and there's yeah. the kind that you, you put them together and they make like a big loop. There must've been, you know, there were hundreds. I, I don't, I didn't count them, but right. there were hundreds of these, of these things all hanging from the trees and it was so cool. And, you know, the first time that I ran through there, it was light. But then the second time I ran through, I was like, oh, this is so cool, which motivated me for the third time. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't remember that, but I do remember there was a section where you came out of, out of a, a, a residential area into the to really populated area where there were a bunch of people and they were just cheering you on. And of course, yeah, there were some bars the, there. Yeah. The cool thing about um, Iron Man, you know, uh, particularly over, uh, I don't remember this when I ran the marathon, is they put your first name on on your your number bib, right? And so it's really easy for people to cheer you on by name because your name, your first name is on there, not your last name or whatever. And so I just remember yep. so many people just rooting me on, and and I know I've told you this story. Uh, before, but for the listeners, I was very fortunate. I uh, I got an accountability partner, um, Dorothy DeBreze, who I work with, was my accountability partner for about two months leading up to the race. Every day, I had to post on Facebook my training so that I could stay motivated. And she actually co- coordinated with my wife and actually flew into Houston uh, and met my wife on the uh, on the run course. And she surprised me. I think on the second uh, on the second loop, I saw her. She was there with her two grand babies, and they had signs up cheering for me. And then they stayed and actually cheered me on as I finished, which was just just an inc- an incredible experience um, to say the to to say the least. But just the just everybody in general was just so supportive, uh, in yeah. my opinion, uh, at Texas. Yeah, and you you were you're from Texas. I mean, you're yeah you're. you're this podcast is coming out of Texas. So that was nice, easy for them to, to drive there, even though Texas is ginormous. Um, yeah. The, you know, coming from Atlanta and, you know, my wife stayed home with the kids and, and I, I, I didn't um, have the people there. And it was funny, you know, how everybody's different. So on your journey, you let people know, you told everybody that you were doing Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> if, I, if I failed this thing, I didn't want to eat crow. I mean, oh, I told some but it was the exact opposite experience. Oh my um, gosh, that is But funny. after that, the funny thing is, is once you've done it, once you've completed it, you know you can do it. And for me, going into it, I'm like, okay, I can train an absolute ton. The reality is I really can't because I, I don't have that time to be able to do that. But 
I can, I can have a lot of pain training or I can have a lot of pain actually doing the event. So it's a trade off. (laughs) I, I train a sufficient amount that I know I can make it. And after, um, after Texas, I completed, uh, Arizona and then Santa Rosa. The one I did not complete, um, is Chattanooga. This was 2018. And the funny thing is I actually trained more, um, than I had for Santa Rosa, but the freaking heat index, it was on, on the bike. You drive by, um, uh, Chickamauga. That's one of the, uh, the towns that you go through. And there was a bank and the temperature on the, and the clock said 99 degrees. Oof. I later learned that the heat index was 104 and high humidity, high heat index. Um, I looked this up 16% of the people, um, didn't even start that day. Wow. 24% of the people DNF'd at Chattanooga. That was the third highest DNF. The first highest is, is Frankfurt because um, they only have 15 hours to complete theirs. So that's the first highest DNF. Chattanooga 2016 was the second highest DNF. Chattanooga 2019 was the second, was the third highest. Oh my highest gosh. DNF. So I ended up off the bike at the aid stations. The aid stations are roughly, for people who don't yet, you know, who haven't done this, the aid stations are roughly an hour apart, depending on your, your speed. Yeah. Um, at every aid station, for all the all, all the ones, so I, I've done four Ironman bike. Um, gotcha. Uh, um, so at every one, I get off at pretty much every aid station. Roughly every hour, I get off the bike just to stretch, you know, pee. Don't yeah. pee on the bike. You know, that's no, pretty no. Don't do that. things also I looked, there was debate about on Facebook, like, should, you know, do I pee on the bike? It's like, no, get off the bike and pee. <laughs> there's porta potties. <laughs> every, every hour there's a porta potty. So, <laughs> so I get off the bike, you know, I have to use the restroom, you get something to drink, just stretch your legs. You know, you're off the bike for you know a couple of minutes. Um, but at Chattanooga, I was off the bike for a total of an hour and 36 minutes. Um, I then missed the cutoff by about 20 minutes when I got into T2. And I said earlier, you know, you pull into T2, one of my greatest, you know, things I love is when they take the bike and, yeah. and you just get, you give them the bike and you just go on. Well, they didn't take the bike. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got to T2 and uh, they, they were like, okay, you know, you missed the cutoff. You're, 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 you can't go forward. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, I, I think I'm going to die. So, um, so I re-signed up for Chattanooga. Uh, that's going to be my redemption, Iron Man. Um, but Brendan Hunter, a uh, guy, where the, the firm's called Luder Larkin and Hunter. Brendan, Brendan Hunter um, had done uh, Chattanooga and uh, he finished. He had a coach and um, he did finish Chattanooga. Um, but I, that's the only one that I did not finish. So, um, I, this year, hopefully it'll be different. You're going to finish this year, John, right? That's the plan. And this year, even with the heat, if the heat index does that crazy thing again, my goal is to finish. Now, the problem is I've got Wisconsin two weeks before that. So last year there was, um, I was not going to do Chattanooga because it was too hot. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. So mm-hmm. I signed up for Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a lot cooler than Chattanooga. Yep. So my wife had signed up. It's a basically, 
I, there's a there's a few people that I know that basically look at me and say, if you can do it, anybody can. So <laughs> since then, um, one of my law partners, Brendan Hunter, he did he did Chattanooga Fall. My wife was going to do Chattanooga Fall, and she was training. And I said, I'm not going to do Chattanooga, but I'll do Wisconsin, and I'll be that person who cheers you on, and this is yeah. going to be great. So then last year with COVID, I thought, well, Wisconsin might get canceled. Because there, there's, a, in my mind, I'm thinking there's a greater likelihood that Wisconsin gets canceled than Tennessee, than Chattanooga. So, and then Florida was the only one last year that actually did happen. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to sign up for Chattanooga and probably Wisconsin is going to get canceled. Probably Chattanooga is going to go. I don't have to do both of them. So they were both canceled. And now this year they're both on. So this year I'm, I've got two Ironmen two weeks apart. Um, so in my mind, I'm looking at, uh, Wisconsin as the training for Chattanooga. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? And it's all mind over matter. If, if, yeah. you, if you go oh, into sure. it with that mindset, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you know. That is, that is so funny. That's a, that's an incredible, uh, training plan you got there, John, uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> and then two weeks later, um, Chattanooga, I, I'm very confident, um, that you can finish Chattanooga this year. In fact, um, I think, uh, you and I will, you know, obviously we, we are friends on Facebook and we'll stay connected. Um, I would, I'm, I'm, I'll get your bib number and I'll be able to, I want to track you using the Ironman tracker, right? just to see how things are going, uh, throughout the day, I think would be, uh, super, super fun. Uh, now, to be able I, now I'm realizing to I, I should have kept my mouth shut about, about Chattanooga. Cause no, like, no, <laughs> I no, want to no. eat crow. You're not going to eat uh, crow. No, I'm doing it. The, 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 also the, um, I'm, I'm in Georgia. So mm-hmm. the Chattanooga, um, bike course, most of it, 90% of it actually is in Georgia. Um, there's just a little bit that's in Tennessee. Most of it's in North Georgia. So, um, I, my wife and I rode it last year, last summer, um, late, late spring, early summer before everything got canceled. And the cool thing is they've repaved almost all of it, which is super cool. Um, so this year, um, it's, you know, it's a couple hours drive from where I live. I'm going to go up, stay at a hotel in Chattanooga, and then, um, we park at the at the high school at Chickamauga, right by right, right by that bank that has the sign, and I'm going to ride that course a couple of times. So between go. now and the actual event, I will have ridden that course a few times. So no matter what the heat is, I'll have already ridden in the heat. There you go. That's that's cool that you mentioned that because I had forgotten. I actually. Uh, before signing up for Texas, I looked at Chattanooga as an option because it's a river swim and I thought the current would help me. So I did remember, I forgotten until you just reminded me that the bike is actually in two different states, which is super cool to be able to say that you rode in your, on your Ironman journey. And I remember from before the, the bike is a little bit longer, right? Than uh, the, Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, not it's by 116. Much, but it's, yeah. Yeah. It had four miles. So Basically, because you're in a river swim, it knock it, it really does knock off about a half hour of your swim. Um, so that that was actually my fastest Ironman swim because <laughs> I'm in a. I think there's a picture of like a Dorito on like somebody put a Dorito in the river and it and it and it beat the cutoff. That's um, <laughs> I think maybe that's an urban legend, but the um the, the swim does that river does cut off time. So to add 
to, to make it more difficult then, I don't know who figured this out to add four miles to a very grueling bike ride. Um, and it's an, you only have, if, if memory serves, you you get one hour less. Yeah, um, that's the crazy to part to it. think that they cut the time. They cut the time yeah. too. That is funny. Well, John, you you have been, uh, it's been, it's obviously it's been fun catching up with you. You've been a great first guest. I couldn't have asked for a first, a better first guest than you. Oh man, are we coming up on the end? I'm just we starting. Are, to we are, we are. But what I do, what I do want to ask though, before we wrap things up is, do you have any recommendations or any um, final words for the everyday Ironman? Definitely the headlamp. Um, the, yeah, I, I learned my lesson cause I did stumble in the dark and that's something you bring a headlamp. If you don't use it, then you don't have to use it. You know, throw it, throw it there. You, you pass enough trash cans. You can throw it away if, if yeah. late in the night and don't need it. Um, the other thing for me, and, and this is different for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has their own training plans and, and I got to emphasize with my, with my first Ironman, I really did follow that plan as much as I could and was very prepared. Since then, you know, with balancing life and family and work, I just don't have the time. And and my plan is to do one or two per year till eventually I, I get 12 of them in. And then you can become a legacy and you can do Kona. Um, there's there, that's, that's the back door into doing Kona. There you go. Because there's no way I'm going to be one of the top age group finishers. Um, but I do plan to keep doing these. Um, so a, 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 one of the recommendations I have is don't skimp on the bike, get your bike. bike in, get those, get those miles in sitting on the bike that long. It, it's not comfortable. Um, listen to some podcasts, listen to some books on tape, get the bike ride in. Um, in my experience, again, once you get that bike ride in and you've got that distance, the endurance is built up. You know, as long as you can swim, you can get the swim. For me, it's just endurance. Just keep going till you yeah. get it done. But it's the bike. Cannot emphasize enough. You got to get into T2 before you're cut off. And if you're quick on the bike, you have nothing to worry about. If you're not quick on the bike, you just got to get there and before that cutoff. And once you make it there for that cutoff, you've got plenty of time to finish the, finish the race. Yep. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing I'd recommend. Yeah, I think that's super sound advice, John. I think the um, the the bike for me, it's more. It was more about, and you touched on it for a second. It's more. It's more than getting your legs uh, strong enough or whatever. It's getting your body used to sitting on that on the saddle. And especially in the arrow position, if you ride a oh, yeah. arrow, you cannot, um, you can't skimp on that time in that position because uh, 110 miles is a it's it's a long day. If you if you can't sit on your bike for you know four or five hours or whatever your time period is, that's not going to be uh, it's not going to be it's not going to make the run good either. So definitely, I think that's super super sound advice advice. So. If your bike's only four or five hours, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm a seven hour, <laughs> I'm, yeah, my, my fastest bike ride was Arizona where you kind of go up a hill and then you come back down and you do that three times. But the, uh, um, yeah, I'm not fast on any of the disciplines, but it's just, the other thing is keep moving, just keep moving. Yeah. 
Um, keep moving forward. Don't, don't quit. Just keep moving. Go forward, go forward. Um, and most of the people uh, that train for this actually are going to, to have pretty good times. Um, so that's probably not even going to be an issue. Yep. So I do want to, I do want to clarify. So I turned around and looked at my, uh, my finisher plaque on the background. It took me six hours and 50 minutes to do the bike. So yeah, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not a three or four hour bike, uh, rider, right? It's been, it's been three years since, I, since I've done it. So, you know, t- time, time solves a lot of problems, but look, turning around and looking at my, my times on my plaque, I'm a six, I'm a six hour and 48 minute, uh, bike rider as well. So I'm yeah, I think uh, I was, I think it was Texas. I was like seven ten, um, right about there. Yeah. So I'm 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 no speed demon. I'm no speed demon. <laughs> and when you're on the bike, you know, in a hot under the hot Texas sun for seven hours. Yeah. And and that's not all the time for me. It was, that wasn't all the time I was on the bike because again, roughly every hour I got off to you know to stretch, stretch, and, and you know, pee. Don't don't pee on the bike. Well, John, I, I appreciate it. Our time has come to the end. Um, you have been a great first guest. I really hope um, that we can uh, stay uh, stay connected. And then maybe um, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of break, right? We're going to follow you along in Wisconsin and, and uh, Chattanooga, but maybe we can co- coordinate and you can come back on the show in the fall, right? And you can tell us about how your experiences were, uh, doing those races, uh, three races in, in six weeks or whatever, right? Cause you got Boulder, uh, as a warm up in Wisconsin and then Chattanooga, right? Does that sound fair? Yeah. Now that, you know, that pressure we were talking about earlier, now you just yeah. put that pressure on. Oh, no, come it's, on. No, no, no. It, it's, it, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. And this has been a great experience. Thanks. I, I definitely appreciate, uh, being the first guest and, you know, if somebody told me I'd be the first guest, I'd say me, me, why? But the uh, I, I really appreciate it. This podcast is a absolute fantastic idea. Um, when you first told me about it, I was like, "What a great! Why didn't somebody else think of that beforehand? I know, right? That would have been so that would have been so helpful." I'm hopeful that you know the we're going to release it on Fridays, so I'm hopeful that some uh, people that are training you could listen to it uh, on one of your training sessions on the weekend, right? So you've got a you've got a run or you've got a bike download it on Fridays, listen to it uh, over the weekend, right? And get, get inspired, get some information. Maybe we'll do some, uh, we didn't even get into like the different kind of products that you use. Like I, I'm a big fan of a couple of little gadgets that I were, um, that I was introduced to during my first training that I would like to talk about through the, the process um, that really helped me as I was learning. Because I do everything on a budget, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cheapskate when it comes to a lot of things. Right. So I ask, I ask questions and I'm, I'm, I hesitate before I buy. So that's half the fun is researching it. Like, okay, right? get everybody's opinion. What am I going to get? What am I going to yeah. get? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you have to look forward to. John, I appreciate it for the listeners. Thanks. Thank you for checking in. I do want to, um, thank my wife, uh, Diana for all of her love and support along the way, both with, uh, my journey to become an Ironman and then now supporting me through my podcast journey. And then John, as you know, I did start the process again. I've signed up. I'm going to do, uh, the Waco 70.3 in the fall with the plans to do another full, uh, next year. So it'll be interesting to, uh, to get back into that mix, but I'm so curious how your training is going to go with that based upon now that you've already done it. Yeah. Now whether that pressure's off and real quick shout out to my wife. Also, Laura, when I came back from Texas, she had a balloon on the, um, 
on the mailbox and balloons inside. So, it, you know, wives are awesome. Uh, wives are awesome, right? Or, or just partners, right? Spouses, uh, whatever your support group is, thank them. Uh, for putting up with your uh, your training schedule because it's it's definitely you think it's hard on you it's hard on them uh, as well so definitely uh, thank whoever is supporting you through this journey so John we thank you uh, the listeners thank you for tuning in uh, we will see you on or I guess we'll hear you or hear me I don't know how that works exactly on the next episode <laughs> of the Everyday Iron Man podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, advice that you would like to share, or would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, you can email everydayironmanpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow on Instagram at everydayironmanpodcast. Until next time, keep moving forward.